for being a minor prophet, there's quite a few chapters in Hosea, and we're going to go and read in Hosea chapter 11, and I'm going to begin with the first four verses. This is the word of the Lord. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet I, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, and that by your word and your spirit, you reveal truth to us, not just information, but your heart. God, we ask that you'd have your way in our midst this morning. You'd touch us. You'd give us an anointing to hear. To hear. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, now I want to I share with you, I shared with a couple people this morning, I, uh, I have a, a series planned um, to share the word of the Lord, um, and I had planned to share the first message of that series. This morning, I have all my notes ready, I have my Bible all marked, I'm all locked and loaded for that. And I was here in the sanctuary late last night, just praying, just praying for you, pacing and praying in the spirit, so such a presence precious holy presence, the anointing of God here last night, and when it was still dark this morning, I woke up, and the Lord dropped this passage into my spirit by a song, an old song that I used to enjoy when I was in college. I haven't been reading in this passage, I haven't heard that song in years, but I just felt pricked to the Holy Spirit, I got up began to pray. I felt like the Lord wanted me to share this passage rather than the message that um, I had originally planned. And I just, uh, I just want to touch on some truths that God brings out in this, in this passage. Now, let me talk a little bit about Hosea. Hosea was a prophet in Israel, really at the end of the time before Israel was carted off by the Assyrians. Um, in 722 uh, BC. So this would have been the mid 700s uh, BC when Hosea was prophesying. There are other prophets in the south and Judah. This is the time of the divided monarch monarchy. So Israel was in the north, and Israel, while Judah had up and down time, good kings and bad kings, Israel was all bad. Israel was all always led by one sinful dynasty after another, and the dynasties came and went. And, and Hosea 
was really the last significant prophet um, that spoke to Israel in the north. He was kind of their last chance Charlie. Um, and God used Hosea very, very powerfully, um, gave him a very tough ministry, um, told him that his, basically his whole life was to be an illustrated sermon and that he was to marry a prostitute. So that's a tough word of obedience from the Lord. The Lord tells you, go marry a prostitute. And to make it even worse, her name was Gomer, right? So, I mean, you know, can you imagine the awkward introductions there, you know? Hi, this is, I'm Hosea. This is my wife, Gomer. <laughs> By the way, she's a prostitute. I mean, this is, this is a tough, tough gig. But Hosea, because of the ministry and the calling and the anointing God had put on him, is one of the most powerful prophets when it comes to understanding the heart of God and hearing the heart of God toward his people. There's a brokenheartedness in Hosea, and in my view, there's no passage that, uh, that communicates the broken loving heart of God toward his people like Hosea chapter 11. God rehearses through his servant his love for Israel. And he goes all the way back to the Exodus and last week we talked about the Passover. We talked about the blood of Jesus as the lamb and all the way back to the Passover event and the deliverance from Egypt is how far God goes through the prophetic word of Hosea. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Not of Egypt, I called my son. And in the next verse, he encompasses his heartbreak from those days all the way up to the present. And it's meant to be that way. It's meant to be understood. God giving a snapshot all the way from the whining and the murmuring and the grumbling and the complaining and the golden calf all the way up to the present when Israel came in and they started worshiping the Baals. Now, I'll tell you what that means for God. It means God is saying, when you came out of Egypt, I revealed myself to you as your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but you still had the gods of Egypt so in your heart that you worshiped a golden calf just like the Egyptians worshiped a golden calf. But then when you came into Canaan land, which I promised to Abraham, and recognize it as the promised land and recognize it as a gift from me you learned about the gods of the locals you started worshiping Baal a god you didn't even know back in Egypt but he's the local god in Canaan and so now you're worshiping him and you think at this time at this point in the passage 
God would just blast them. And I won't deny that other times he does. But this is where the revelation of God's father heart toward his children pours down like Niagara Falls. You see, he said, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. The Jewish English version says, but it was I, I, who taught Ephraim to walk. He repeats, I did it, I did. You can hear the broken complaint, the pleading father heart of God. I'm the one. You came out, you thought it was under your own steam. You thought you came out of slavery, walking on your own two feet, but I'm the one, I taught you how to walk. He says, I took them by their arms. I remember the first time Eden walked. Boy, that baby. When I married Patty, John was nine and Joseph was six, so I, I had never gotten to teach a baby how to walk. So here's Eden, and she wanted to get upright so bad. You know, those babies, man, they just want to get upright. And she'd start walking, and I'd take her by her arms. Anybody remember, parents? They want to walk upright, and they, yeah, yeah. Oh, you just get them by their arms. God says, that was me. He says, but they did not know that I, I healed them. I was the one. I led them with cords of kindness with bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them. And I fed them. So here's the thing. Israel's in the desert. They're complaining about the water. Anthony, um, are there some Kleenex in that box here? Can you, sorry. Kind of embarrassing. <laughs> there they are, they're complaining about the water. They're complaining that there's no food. And then when God gives them food, they complain about that. They complain about the leadership. They complain about the law. You can read in the Exodus, read in the book of Numbers, read about those things. But I want to tell you, this passage tells the rest of the story. All through it, God had a secret crush. Israel had a secret admirer from a distance. They didn't know 
that it was God who led them. That it was the Father who cared for them tenderly like a child. Who led them along. Who bent down. The Almighty God humbled himself and tenderly cared for them just like a father cares for his toddler son. That's how deep is the father's love. For all the thing that we could say about verse 2, where it says the more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to Baals and burning offerings to idols. For all that we could say about, about sin that's going on there, what, what, what God is really driving at is they were completely oblivious. They were completely in the dark. You almost hear them say, if they had only known, if they only could have understood how desperately I loved them. How deep is my kindness and my compassion toward them? How overwhelming is the father heart of God toward his people? Look, folks, this is Old Testament. Don't tell me grace only starts in the new. God is gracious from Genesis 1.1. He is gracious. The full manifestation comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. But he's gracious from the get-go. He is gracious. And here's God being gracious. There are nine things that God speaks of himself. Nine times he refers to something that he did in these four short verses. It's one of the most packed passages in all of Scripture about God describing his father heart toward his people. Number one, God loves. When Israel was a child, I loved him. I loved him. I loved him. Get past it, saints, for a second. Get past the booming voice and the thunder on the top of Mount Sinai and recognize it was about love. God's vast designs. You play a role. God's purpose is for you. He has a plan. But at the root of it, God is nuts about you. He's crazy about you. One of the Jewish versions says, when Israel was a child, I fell in love with him. That's one of the renderings. When Israel was a child, I fell. You know, God, the Father, the Almighty One, surrounded by billions and billions of angels, has fallen in love with you at a distance. Anybody who's ever had a child knows what it is. To clothe that child, to feed that child, to give that child precious gifts to play with, and to know that that child came from your very flesh. And there are moments when you're watching that child out of the corner of your eye, or maybe in a cracked, through a cracked door, and you, you watch that child in their absolute innocence and unselfconsciousness. Very intent. There's, there's nobody who can be serious like a little child. Anybody notice that? Little children, they can be so intense, so focused. How many know what I'm talking about? They're so focused. 
on their, on their toys or their little thing, and they're just, mm, they're just working on that thing, man. They've got to, mm. And you're watching, and your heart is telling you that baby will never have the slightest clue how much I adore him, how much I love her. That's God in this passage. That's God adoring you from afar. Adoring you. Adoring your little foibles. Adoring how you bite your lip. Adoring those little habits that you have that you might not even be aware of. He just, he's crazy about them. He loves you. Then he says, out of Egypt, I called my son. God doesn't just love you. He calls you. He calls you. He's calling your name. And it says, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. He teaches. But he teaches not like I taught my students in college as a professor. He teaches as a father. He teaches as a father. For your own good. To bless you. Because his success is his goal. His success living in you becomes your success. That's what he's teaching you. And he says, I took them up by their arms. He lifts you. He lifts you up. He, he keeps you from falling. How many with your toddler toddler's walking and you you hold them by their arms so that they can walk but you just can't resist and the next thing you know you're standing up you're holding that baby how many you, know, you just you're hold, you got them and you're like whoop how did that happen you're holding them that's the father and after he lifts he heals he says but they did not know that I healed them when you fall down, you're walking, he's the one who puts on the band-aid. That's what, that's what the Father's saying. He heals. And then God leads. I led them with cords of kindness, with bands of love. The heart of God is that when human kindness is shown from one Christian to another, God's saying, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. The different times you thought you were going to go astray or you thought you were alone and all of a sudden a Christian brother or sister reaches out to you. It doesn't have to be the pastor. It's good when it is. It's also good when it's just another brother and sister in the Lord. They reach out to you and you're, you're encouraged and you're lifted. That's God. That's the Father. He leads you with cords of human kindness. That's his love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke from their jaw. He liberates. God wants you to be free. Just like any father, any mother wants their child to be free. God wants you to be free. He sets you free. He liberates you. And he says, I bent down. This is one of the most powerful parts of the passage to me. The father bends down. Last Sunday night, I preached on Jesus coming off the Mount of Transfiguration and coming down. 
into a demon-afflicted situation, an epileptic boy full of the devil from the time he was a kid, a young boy, a young child, a spirit of suicide on him, a spirit of self-destruction, foaming at the mouth. Jesus, here's the thing, Jesus could have stayed on that mountain. He could have stayed up there in his glory. That was home for him. That was his eternally preexistent norm. That's the way it normally is for him. But he came down off that mountain on purpose to set that boy free. To get his hands dirty. To humble himself. Jesus coming off that mountain is what David said. You bend down to make me great. That's the heart of God. He wants, to, he wants to make you great and he bends down to do it. And lastly, God feeds. He feeds you. He cares for you. Now here's, here's what's so powerful about the rest of this chapter. After God describes these nine things, in verses 5 through 7, God declares his wrath. He says, all right, I, I said they won't go back to Egypt. I just talked about bringing them out of Egypt. I said they won't go back, and they won't, but they're going to go to Assyria, and they're going to they're, they're get blasted because of all their sin. He declares, as the prophets have to, as God has to, because God's just, and sin has got to be dealt with. That's what we expect. But here's, here's what's powerful. Read from verse 8. It says, how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over? Oh, Israel, how can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? Those two towns, Adma and Zeboim, were two little towns together with Sodom and Gomorrah. They were swept away with the wrath of God when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why he brings them up here. He says, Israel, I can't treat you like I treated them. He says, my heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am man. I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. Now let me give you a clue about the minor prophets, major prophets too, especially Isaiah and Ezekiel, a little bit, little bit in Jeremiah too. The pattern of the prophets is that the beginning is an indictment of Israel's sin. The middle is the judgment on that sin. And the end is the restoration. So I'm kind of teaching you how to cheat here. If you, if you ever just read the Bible and you're like, God, I just want dessert. Right? Anybody ever start with dessert? You're just like, all right, let's just get to it. That cake looks too good. Just read the end. <laughs> That's the good part, right? I mean, you've got to read the whole thing. It's being a mature Christian, but you want to read the good stuff? Go to Joel chapter 3. Go to Zephaniah chapter 3. Go to Hosea chapter 14. Go to the end. Because right? this is all about the restoration. It's about what God is doing. But here's what's so powerful about this passage in Hosea, because God breaks the pattern. 
He's talking about what he did for Israel and how Israel was oblivious to it, was blind to it. And now he's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to have to punish you. I'm going to I'm gonna have, to, I'm gonna have to punish. And in the middle of it, he goes, I, can't, I, can't, I just can't. I can't do it. I can't. I can't, I can't treat you like Adma and Zeboim. I can't treat you like you're some godless Gentile nation. My heart recoils within me. God's own heart recoiled at the judgment that he had declared. His compassion is turned within him. And right in the middle, we have restoration. God can't wait. He's so turned and moved by his own compassion for his people, for you, for me, that he, he can't wait to the end of, of the judgment. He's got he's to speak about restoration now. And that's how the chapter ends. He says, they shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. And when he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. God is so good. God loves you. I felt like the Lord woke me up this morning and put this in my spirit just so that you would know that he loves you. He's got a crush on you. God's got a secret crush on you. I am willing to wager that anybody in this room who's ever prayed, at times you've prayed like God God, I, I love you, and I want to follow you. And I know what your word says, but I wonder if you see me at all. I wonder if you hear me at all. I wonder if you care about my griefs, and you care about my hurts, and you care about what I'm going through at all. Do you see me, God? Do you remember me at all? you're the child about your business oblivious to him he adores you from afar but it doesn't need to be from afar he's the deliverer and he delivers we can talk I can talk up and down I can talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. I can talk about the resurrection. I can talk about the authority in the name of Jesus. I can talk about the chain-breaking power of his blood. And I will. I will. But you know what breaks the chain? It's his love. The blood of Jesus is liquid love. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is liquid love. It's his love. If you don't get that he loves you, if you don't get that he loves you, then all the rest is just me flapping my gums and spewing theology. You got to know that he loves you. I want to invite the musicians to come. And I, I want us to pray.
I want us to pray. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. God loves you so much. He just, he wants you to know that love that surpasses all knowledge. He wants you to be free. I want to, I want to ask Pastor Bob to come, and I want to ask those who are on uh, our board with their wives, I just want our board members and their wives, if they can, to come up and just stand facing um, the people, and I want to encourage you today, I want to encourage you today, just as we just begin to worship softly. Any burden at all that you're carrying, any fear at all that you're dealing with, any troubled heart, any current circumstance, any lifelong anxiety or tension in your heart. Hey, it could even be something that God is doing that's good and you just want God's blessing on it. Any of those things, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to come forward and ask for prayer. These are men and women of God. They've been praying, been seeking the Lord during this time of prayer and fasting. And I want to encourage you to come forward. And just, just ask for prayer right now. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Any, any need that you have, any desire that you have, it could be something that you even had prayer for last Sunday night. Any need of prayer ask you to come forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Father, we want to be a house of prayer. We want to be a house, Lord, where we're the hands and the feet of the Father. We are the people who love. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How deep the Father's love for us. And how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons 
Just as people are continuing to receive prayer, I want us all to pray together. Can you bend your faith toward the Father right now? Heavenly Father, God, we pray for this, your church. God, we pray that your blessing would be upon this church. God, I believe that you have loved this church with a special love. You've loved us from afar. You've pondered the plans that you have for us. God, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on this church. God, we ask Yes, that you work miracles. Yes, Father, that you supernaturally provide for your people. God, that you would 
heal our bodies and work in our employment, touch our families. We ask that you give us wisdom and guidance. We ask these things, but God, above all, we ask that you would reveal your love to this body. We ask, Father, that your love would manifest through every person here. God, that your love pouring through us, God, that you would sweep away all the tangled mess of our hearts, all the complications, any bitterness, any criticism. God, you'd sweep those things away. And God, in Jesus' name, that we would know in our knower how vast is your love for us, how great, how deep, how wide. God, that we would know that which is beyond the ability to know. That we'd know it by the power of your Holy Spirit. And knowing your love, God, we would manifest your love that your love would invade our homes, that your love, God, would invade our workplaces, that your love would invade our marriages, God, that your love would invade the seats here, the sanctuary. God, that we would love you and each other as we worship and as we visit, as we hear your word, as we pray together. God, let spontaneous demonstrations of your love come through us, God, top to bottom, you'd make us people of your love. God, you've revealed so powerfully in your word your love for us, your tender care for us. God, we ask your forgiveness for not knowing, for not recognizing, for not seeing. We thank you that it was your idea and not our idea. And we say amen, Father. Can you say amen to God's love?